Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Claire Boscott on the line. Claire, how are you? I'm excellent. Thank you very much. I'm so happy to be with you. I am thrilled to have this conversation. And the busy queen bee. Uh, <laughs> is that, that's what came up in my calendar reminder for the appointment. And I'm thinking, okay, unless you had your name legally changed, which you might do at some point. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, busy queen bee. It's like, okay, there's a story behind that. So why don't you share um, your backstory with the audience and, and how you came up with that moniker and, and we'll dive in, especially, you know, about your book as well. Yeah, absolutely. Love to. Well, you know, my, I, I, about 11 years ago, I used to work in hotels. So I used to manage hotels. And about 11 years ago, I kind of, um, I was getting divorced. I was working crazy hours in those hotels. Uh, And then I thought, you know, I had two children, six and 10 at the time. And I thought, oh, this just can't happen. I need to, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to kill myself if I continue that way. So I did get divorced. I took the job. I sold the house and I started my own business. And that was a really kind of exciting time where, uh, I realized that there was a gap in the local market. So I live on a little island, Michael, which is between France and England, and it's called Jersey. Um, and it's there's 100,000 people, and it's nine miles by five miles. So you can see the size of it. Uh, but I realized that on our little island, there was no one doing mystery shopping. So actually the measuring of customer service. And that's why I thought, this is my gap in the market. I'm going to go and start my own business. And as a joke, it was always about, oh, my my mystery shoppers go to the shops, do the visits and come back. They're my little worker bees. And I'm the queen bee here, you know, in my little uh, hive. And I have wait for all the results to come. And it started a bit of a fun. And actually, I built a whole brand around this. So the busy queen bee was always busy doing things and the little hive and you had all the shoppers going and coming back and doing the visits. Um, and that hence why the Busy Queen Bee started and the brand started with the, all the mystery shopping side of it. Well, it's amazing you found an opportunity that you were observing, especially with all of those dramatic life changes. And <laughs> you know, as someone that's also you know, gone through a divorce, it is a, a taxing experience, mm-hmm. no matter how you know polite or not so much the situation is with, with your former spouse. But at the end of the day, it, it, to launch a business during that time and to you know, see the opportunities when and so many people, you know, you know this, it's a devastating situation. You mm. know, the end of a marriage, end of a relationship is is very devastating, no matter what the situation is. Mm. But you saw the opportunity in you know, this you know, tiny little island and you're going, okay, this is something that could be done. Because oftentimes, you know, people will say, all right, well, what can I do here? You know, what am I going to be able to do? And and mm. you, you saw an opportunity and you're like, okay, let's, let's do this. And, mm. you know, create something in the market that there's a need for it. Many people may not have thought that they need it, but mm-hmm. believe me, they do because without customer feedback, 
and true valid feedback, organizations could be saying, well, we're doing great. Everybody loves us when no. in reality, the only reason no. shopping there is because <laughs> that's the only store in town and all it will take is somebody else coming in and opening up similar. And if they treat their customers even a percentage point better than you, then you're going to realize, well, wait a minute, maybe we weren't doing things well. Mm. And I think also at the time it was um, the recession. So 2009 when I started, so it was another recession that we had there. And people were like, Claire, you're crazy. You shouldn't be doing a business now. No one's, you know, no one's going to do that and take you on. And, and I was saying, but you know what? If now isn't the time that we look after our customers, what are the businesses going to be looking like after the recession? And and 10 years later, oh, my gosh, we just, you know, having exactly or even worse of a recession by that pandemic when, you know, within a few days, all our, everything shut down. And, and you're like, well, again, everything shut down, but it's still businesses who are still delivering some service they're still offering you know a, a customer service they still have to look at their employees so their internal customers and their external customers so more than ever have we have to really kind of care about our customers and looking at the things that we're doing right and great celebrating this but also looking at where we can improve our performances and mystery shopping is certainly an amazing way to do that Definitely. Yeah, so explain, and I know some people are probably familiar with what mystery shopping is, but uh, for those that may not be familiar with what that term actually means, uh, share a little bit, you know, on, on your definition of what mystery shopping is all about. Yes, of course. So, you know, a lot of the time, or some, some of the times I get asked, oh, do you go and do some shopping for people? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's not quite that. <laughs> yeah, here, here's my list. If you're, you're going to the market and get this, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just put some glasses on and a, a moustache. Um, no, so mystery shopping is really kind of evaluating the customer service in your business, whether it's a, a, a bricks and Morgan, uh, Morton business or whether it's an online business or call centers. It's about, you know, really kind of going in or ringing or looking at the website and um, measuring what's happening. You know, have you, uh, people, are, are they looking after you? Are they connecting with you? Are they selling you things? Are they, you know, being friendly and are they knowledgeable? And, you know, once you really kind of understanding what they're doing, you can look at what the standards are supposed to be doing and measure that with what's happening for real, you know, in that organization. And you can start giving them some results and some feedback and saying, well, this has happened, which was really, really good, but this hasn't happened and that hasn't happened. So what do we need to do as an organization for those things that are not happening to ensure that they are now being being done properly consistently. That's the, that's the thing. So it really is measuring customer service within any type of organization. It's a beautiful description of that. And thank you for that because I always thought, you know, someone just coming in and buying certain things and checking inventory levels and, and whatnot, but the, you know, it's, it's much deeper than that. And it's the, figuring out what the customer experience is and I know a lot more organizations and there's even tons of conferences that I see now because I speak at conferences all over the place all mm. the 
pretty much virtually now, but yes. event, eventually we'll be able to stand on the stage and hopefully the microphone will work and all of that good stuff, but <laughs> we'll, we'll get there one day. But I'm, I'm seeing a lot of you know customer experience events because organizations need to focus on that and not just brick and mortar retail. It's every industry, every business, healthcare, and I worked in healthcare for over a decade. My goodness, is that a sector that needs some customer experience training? Yes. Because um, <laughs> I, I don't know where this bedside manner um, conversation yes. came into play because having worked in that sector, I saw some of it. I didn't see anywhere near the amount that I should have, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. But at the end of the day, every industry needs to focus on making the customer experience better and match what the customer needs mm. now. And I think that's the biggest thing too, and I'm sure I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, where I think everybody thinks, okay, we've, we've gone through the review, we've improved everything, this is what our customer wants. Yeah, that's what your customer wants now. Here we are in the midst of a pandemic, your customer might want something different. So how are you pulling that out from your customer? Short Absolutely. of picking up the phone and calling them and saying, customer 226 you know what you know what can we do for you better Uh, so i'd love to hear your thoughts on that absolutely and i think that's what's you know that's what is making the difference now between organization those people are really kind of generally trying to connect on an emotional level with their customers really kind of you know connecting making it personal showing them that they care calling them and asking them how they are, calling them and asking them what else can they do, be flexible and open new channels of communications and really kind of really going at, you know, really delivering where the customer is and how the customer wants it, you know, their product and services. And the other organizations who are perhaps just waiting until this pandemic goes and start again, you know, and that's that's not going to happen because, Customers' expectations are higher, you know, and, and if anything, that pandemic has shown us that, you know, we need to even more care even more, you know, make sure that they're wearing masks, make sure that the employees are also, you know, protecting, monitoring that kind, that side of things as well. So there's, it has brought a, a big, um, a, a new way of thinking, where we need to bring more care into our organization, into the environment that we work with, you know, looking at, you know, how, you know, what our offices look like. If suddenly you're working from home and you've never worked from home, what does that environment look like and how does it affect your performance? You know, because this has been a huge impact on everybody's well-being, the anxiety, the, you know, the working longer hours because you're at home, you don't have that traveling time. So the environment is really important. The people are really important. And then the customers in the end will, you know, if, you know, if you have all those things, so a great environment, healthy, happy employees, you will have great, happy customers. And that's kind of key to to what business should be doing, really. I, I firmly believe, with you, believe you on that and, and agree with you because I've always felt that when we've heard the phrase customer comes first, and my opinion on that is you know, make your employees first because then they will take care of the customers better than ever before. Mm-hmm. And too often I find the organizations 
aren't taking care of their employees or their customers and they're just going on basically the bottom line or what the shareholders want and not recognizing that if they took care of their employees and their customers, the performance, the quality, the sales, the revenue, all of that stuff would dramatically improve. Shareholders would be very, very happy about that. I know. Uh, something drives me insane, you know, Michael. It's like, you know, you see some organizations spending thousands of dollars on marketing and billboards and advertising this and radio and shows and not a penny on training. I'm like, what? What are you doing, people? What are you doing? Why are you spending all that money trying to bring footfall in all in your business? If your staff don't know what they're doing and what they're selling and why they're here, you know, stop doing that. That just drives me insane. <laughs> As you can tell, I'm a bit passionate about it. <laughs> you're, 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 preach, you're, you're preaching to the choir. So I, I know it, yeah, training and professional development has always been an area where organizations, you know, a lot of them just don't see the value in it, which is absolutely foolish because you make your employees better, that means everything they do becomes better and the services and products you make is better mm-hmm. and happy. And you know this, happy employees do better work, means Absolutely. the quality of what they produce is better. And as a society, with all the organizations and all the burnout stories we hear about and see in organizations, as a society, we're losing because of it, because those organizations are not producing the best quality. And that means the stuff that we consume is not the best it could be. And I think as a society, we should demand better products and services, mm-hmm. and by, but also coupled with, and we see the big wave on sustainability. We want to make sure that organizations are green, zero carbon footprint, all of that. Another thing that needs to be hammered home from society is take care of your employees. Absolutely. And it's that accountability, isn't it? We're becoming accountable for our people, our customers, our environment. And it comes back to the, the busy queen bee, you know, the queen bee. When I, I always talk about this, it's, it's about, you know, I've always felt that the, how the services I, I was offering was helping the business to, to improve. Well, if you help the business improve, the business will, will grow and so will the local economy and that's what the bees do. You know, the bees, where they go, they do their, their little things. They proliferate. They, they put the pollen everywhere. You know, they, they grow more plants and more things. And they because of them, you know, we have that beautiful nature that we have. And so if we're all taking accountability and responsibility for growing the businesses, then the whole local economy, the whole economy will grow itself as well. Completely agree. So let's dive into your book. Um, and I, it's you showed it to me earlier in the pre-show. It's like so. Let, let, let's, talk, <laughs> let's let's talk about this book, The Secret Diver, and Mystery Shopper. Uh, so so, what prompted you to write the book? I mean, I'm, I I probably know the answer, but it's better to hear it from you. And, and why? You know, why did you give up so much of your time? Which I know it takes a lot of time to write a book. Uh, why did you do that and to to get this book out? But to be honest, um, this one hasn't taken that much time actually to write because I have 11 years of customer service and mystery shopping stories that I've been already writing all them years and keeping keeping a track of that story. This is what happened and this is what... So when the pandemic arrived and everything was kind of stopping and I'm thinking maybe now is the time to do the book. 
You know what? You know, sharing some real stories and really being able to help some teams with other people's stories, true stories. It's a way to make to make it really more um, real and you connect with it so much more because it's happened to somebody else's. So I've, um, there's no names, there's no uh, shaming or anything. The stories, you know, are made up as a stories, but they are, uh, there are some good stories. There are some bad stories and there are some exceptional stories. So people, somebody said to me, Claire, the ugly stories are the one who sells, but I'm a bit of a, a, a uh, an optimism. So I think that, you know, if we talk about exceptional stories, they will breed more exceptional stories. So um, I wanted to change the ugly for exceptionals, which was, you know, a much nicer way to um, to celebrate what is doing right. So there are stories, there are true stories. And every time at the end of the story, there, there's a moral to the story and how it can be applicable into your own business. So it's a, it, it is a business book. And, you know, when you see the cover and you see my branding, it's all a bit of fun and you've got the little, the little queen there to be, yeah. but it, it is a, a real business book, which, you know, um, I will hope that, you know, organization will take, will read with their team, will think about it. What if this happened to us? And actually grow because there's only there's only five stories of each at the moment. So what I'd love to do is is grow the, the stories from different countries, maybe translate it in another country and make some new stories from there as well. So that's that's kind of the idea on how how we can grow the book um, later on. That's you know, awesome, and I think that you know that book really sheds light on on the. Of course, the the positive stories because you want to provide a roadmap of you know, what an ideal situation or an ideal customer experience looks like, and sharing the the bad news stories is important as well because it it can highlight and people can say, yeah, that sounds a lot like my organization, but then they see another story of a very similar organization doing something well, and they say, look, it's same industry, we've been doing this they're doing that. It's the same industry. Why can't we do that? What do we need to do to do that? And, and then it just gives a lot of people that are reading it and a lot of inspiration, quite frankly, to say, hey, you know, make this yeah. a big difference. And it's not, I, I'm gonna, and some people may disagree with this. It's not difficult to change and make the customer experience better. Mm -hmm. It's just, you need to know and make it a, a priority of your organization. It's like, we're going to do this and get feedback from people and, and figure out what we need to do. And do something about it. You know, I had um, one of the stories is called, Can You Steal Jewelry? So I got a call from a client, which was a, a jeweler's, and they wanted, they just had done some training with all of their branches and their team on, um, on th theft and stealing and security. So they've asked us to go and try to steal some jewelries. <laughs> so after the initial shock, uh, <laughs> how is this going to happen if we get stopped? Is the alarm going to go off? Are the police going to turn up? <laughs> yeah. <You> know, <laughs> we've had to think about the scenarios a bit. But we did the program. We did our first visit, which was a bit of a, you know, intense, really trying to steal something. It's quite, you know, uh, it's taking the mystery shopping to another level. 
but it was amazing. And then we rolled the whole program out to all of their branches. And the result was so good because you, you can't do that yourself. You know, so being able to see, you know, the, um, the response, the, the, the details that the mystery shop had given them made them realize that perhaps certain numbers of employees needed maybe a bit more training on this. So this has happened. So they need to, do, to bring something else in it or bring a new strategies for this. And that's what mystery shopping really does. You really kind of highlight, you know, that, that those areas that you can really improve your performances. Yeah, it was very powerful. And I'm, I'm actually surprised that I'm not seeing more rings on your finger from that experience. <laughs> um, or, or is it charms and bracelets? Uh, I'm like, do I get to keep, do I get to keep this? You know, it, you know, go in there and kind of you know, stock the place a little bit. It's like, oh, wow, look at that. I want that Tiffany charm. I know that's, you know, we're grabbing that one. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. How many carrots is that? Oh, yeah, we're on that. So, yeah, it's, yeah. And, and, and I, I'm not going to have a share how do you steal from a jewelry store? I, 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 my liability insurance won't cover all the claims <laughs> on that one, but I'm, I'm guessing that it would, like you said, would be a, okay, we want you to steal from us. Yeah. This is a trap. You're looking, <laughs> you're looking for cameras going, okay. I know, uh, I know. Yeah. Who's behind all- this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was all those kinds of things we had, but it was an exciting program. Um, and you know, it, whether it's uh, you know trying to steal something or whether you know one of the stories my daughter we went to um, one of the restaurants when she was only about eight she got stuck in a toilet and there was no, the sensors didn't see her so there was no light so for minutes she was on her own in the pitch dark and you know without any lights and then eventually managed to come out and come to uh, come back so not only that business obviously changed the sensors and the <laughs> the levels and the timing but they're also suddenly realizing that they were not really focusing on those little people's markets so they started bringing a new menu they started you know doing that more things for the small ma- and within months they up their market of 40 percent from that you know family audience that they've never done before so you know there's so much more that you know that those kind of uh, measurement can bring new ideas new ways to do things you know and and really kind of improve the business yeah it's very powerful i love the light analogy because i worked at a medical clinic years ago and they had sensors in in the washrooms as well as the office and of course being in there and all of a sudden you're you're in the bathroom and all of a sudden the lights go off so basically you had to kind of like do this kind of thing and, and, and wave it up. And that worked most times. Sometimes it didn't. And in the office, it would do it. The only way you could do it is if you stood up. So actually, it was kind of a weird get up and stretch from sitting down all day thing. So I, I didn't complain about it too much. But I'm like, the efficiency here seems to be wasteful. And I don't know exactly how much money we're saving by going with this energy saving can we maybe have this set up where you know from 8 p.m until 7 a.m that it works a little bit better than during the hours when there's typically somebody here all the day so it's it's uh, never an ending story so claire i've loved our conversation today where can people find out more about you your book and all this awesome work you're doing oh thank you so much yes i mean the easiest place is claire so b-o-s claire 
with an I and an E, because, you know, there's the two ways to do it. And then B-O-S-C-Q and then scott.com. That's my website. You'll find a book on there as well, but it's also on Amazon. If you go on Amazon, it reached number one, Amazon bestseller uh, and hot new release. So I was very happy to be on a hot new release as well um, for a, a few days. Um, so yes, and uh, I'm on social media as well. So if you... Um, if you heard me, Google me, you find me everywhere, whether it's LinkedIn or Instagram, I'm, I'm pretty much everywhere. And I'd love to connect with anybody who maybe have some stories to tell me. Yeah, we'll definitely want people to reach out to you and I'll have all that information in the show notes. So Queen B, thank you so much for your time today. Appreciate you and this amazing work you're doing. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I hope to speak to you soon again. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of The Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.